Mira la izquierda. Mira la derecha. ¿Qué ves? ¿Dónde estás? In a world that seems to change daily, what will you do next? Welcome to the Next Stats Show with Peter Vasquez and co-host Aisha Kreutz. A starting point for discussion y un poco de dirección. Bienvenidos al show con una misión para educar, unir y hacer sinergia. It's me, Peter Vasquez, and one of my, well, my co-hosts, actually. <laughs> Just one of his co-hosts. Hola, ahlan, shalom, bonjour. ¿Cómo estás? Aloha. 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 I like aloha. Mm -hmm. Privet. So, you know... What's new with you? Well, um, pretty much nothing. Pretty much nothing? Yeah. You want to know why? Why? Because I've been playing with my horses all the time. Ah, <laughs> you got a new horse. It's like a new toy. You got to play with it. I do have a new horse. I, uh, My husband, who uh, goes along with my shenanigans, um, let me get a Percheron, which I've always wanted. Um, it's a big old draft horse. Nice. So I have been... Uh, Hanging out with him, and he when I got him, he was super skinny. I'm trying to give him some of my fat, you know, some of my lunch. How old is he? He is 17. Oh, okay. Is that yeah. old for a I don't know nothing about horses. Yeah, it's, that it's getting up there. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it just depends. I mean, get, get in the a, 20s, right? Well, yeah, I, I mean, he's a bigger horse, so maybe he'll probably live to be like. Maybe like 29 or so. Oh, um, Polly has another good five or six years in him, but he's an anybody can ride horse. So I can stick my grandkids on him. I could stick you on him, Peter. Yeah, no, I don't know you can't. Yeah, anybody can. We, get we him. could all ride him pretty so, much. Pretty, my, my husband just, he built me a platform. <laughs> <laughs> to jump on or to get on the horse? Yes, because I have a bad hip. So swinging my leg around him, I went to get on him and couldn't really do it. So he built up this platform. It's about three and a half feet off the ground because the we have you have steps for some people like myself uh, to get on a horse. How and, tall is he? Well, uh, well, he's sixteen three. So for a percheron, he's small, um, but. I mean, he's uh, maybe not small, but he's on the smaller side, you know, um, uh, of a horse, um, of a draft horse. So, you know, he, but yeah, it's I did. Probably 1,500 pounds, right? Oh, 1,500 pounds. About 2,000. Oh, that much, huh? Yeah, he's, he's right around 2,000. With a mind of its own. That's what you're saying. You, 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 you. Oh, I know you guys love horses, but this is the way Chris and I look at it. We're on top of a, 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 a basically a strong machine with its own brain that can at any time say, you know, I don't like this guy on my back. That's why you got to use. Now, I know you know how to do this, Peter. You use your butt. <laughs> I know you know how to do this. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one you, there. That's how, you, that's how you communicate with a horse, is through your fanny. Is that what it is? Just and shift your, absolutely. your Absolutely. Yeah, well, on your thighs and cat. Just, you know, it just depends on how you train them. And it's all about your core muscle. I have none, which is why I had to get an anybody can ride horse. Uh, <laughs> but I used to. So I used to train horses and dogs, put myself through college doing that. Are you a horse um, whisperer? I am, actually. She is. I saw I, her with those horses. They I'm a... I, I don't know. I just have always 
even before I had any kind of training, uh, I just understand them. Um, mm. You know, have and, the horse. Tuned. And more importantly, they understand you. Yeah. The, the only horse I understand or understands me is the Ford Mustang. Ooh. That's a good car. <laughs> I like Fords more now that, you know, they didn't take the uh, bailout money um, way back when. Seems like a lifetime ago that yeah, I'm talking about that. But I used to hate Fords, you know, found on road dead. That's what we grew up Fix with. or repair daily. That's right. Fix or I like that. And now I'm like, okay, like I want an F-150 really bad. Uh, but they're so cotton picking expensive right now. You know what you do? Go, go, go to Hemmings Motor News. Grab yourself a copy of Hemmings Motor News and go in there and find yourself a nice classic, like, F-150. There's pictures of them. There's, you know, I'll, I'll give you a copy of mine, a back copy okay. of mine. And that's the Ford to buy. The Ford F-150, like, I agree. Uh, 150, three on the tree, you know, the crank windows. You know they came out hey, with an electric model? If I could switch out everything and have the GPS, even the stuff that I could have now, and put it in there, I would. I use your phone. You know. Yeah, yeah it's not the same. My, my husband has a new car, and I'm like, wow, this is kind of fancy, actually. I didn't know he got a new car. What did he get? Uh, a Chevy, even, oh. though I was talking, even though I was upset about it. But. Gov- government Motors. That's right. All these vehicles, and that's the thing, right? This is fascism, right? These things, like when you think about all of those things that happen uh, with the bailouts, I mean, fascism just took like 100 steps forward um, when that happened. And, of course, you know, the uh, Obamacare, um, people thinking that it was okay for the government to take over health care. And now look at us. A government that's big enough to give anything you want is big enough to take everything you have. Yep. And a government that isn't afraid of its electorate, right, Th- that is a government to be afraid of. And we are pretty much I'm getting um, there. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so last week we had a contest, right? Oh, yeah. We got a winner. We Somebody responded. We had asked him to define the words abuelito and abuelita. And we got a winner. The winner was, well, let me tell you, the response is abuelita means granny or grandma. And its origins are, are Latin. And, and abuelito would be the the grandpa or or um, and even but you know let's go a little bit language. deeper though those are you know it's kind of like it's a little bit more than that right being abuelita I mean it is granny but when you think about who you call granny it really is I so mean that's the granny's technical a little book. deeper than grandma too right, right? granny's so a little it's deeper. more more intimate more uh, it's more like the loving yes and it's like the like matriarch that. of the family if you're abuelita. You know, uh, culturally speaking, right? Like, you don't just get it. You got to, like, I'm grabbing on to Abuelita. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'm grandpa. It's staying that way. I don't want to be, my son says, I'm going to have my kids call you Abuelito. And I'm like, well, maybe when I'm like 87, that'll work. Yeah, I always wanted, well, I used to have long dreadlocks all the way, you know, pretty long. I had them for almost 20 years. And I almost dyed them gray just so that I could be the wise gray dread block you know i know so that i was like but now look at all the kids they're all dying their hair gray like i had the idea you know you know i had locks when it wasn't popular you know when um before you could go into a salon and get them it was just like uh i was bungo dread anybody know what bungo dread is no no see gotta help you guys out bungo dread it's like when you let your uh hair pick the size they're gonna be how they're gonna root down it's a it's a very spiritual journey that you go on. Uh, Bob Marley was a bungo dread. You saw how his, you know, like how now they're all the same size, 
right? People go into the uh, hair salon and they get their hair done into dreads, which is really weird. But bungo dread is you let it pick its size and then you form it, right? So you might have one big thick one. You might have a little one. That was me. So they're all random like. I don't know. I don't have hair, so I don't well, know what they are. <laughs> you haven't had hair for a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is random, but, you know, they're picking their, again, if, if, if you go from a Rasta standpoint, um, they kind of pick it. You know, they choose because it's living and they're choosing where they want to go. It's like the liberty of the hair, man. The liberty of the hair. I think I, I think anybody really. anybody who's who's <laughs> spending a lot of time thinking about this needs something else to do with their time. Well, I yeah, like it simple. Smoking, you know what? We're usually smoking pot. But get go up, ahead. Get up. <laughs> <laughs> That'll give you. That's a narcissistic. Uh, yeah. So so this week we have another another fun contest or another. Well, you fun told us who won. You got to tell oh, us who won. Sorry, you know I got distracted with the uh, with the talk on hair and I was. <laughs> And we have a winner. All right, let's check the weather forecast. So, so, so thank you, Armando Mariotti, for for his response. He was the first one to respond. Actually, I think he was the only one to respond, and gave us the opportunity to have a winner. He's the only one who understood the question. I, no, I know. So, so we fine tuned it for this week. We fine tuned it better. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. It's who's buried in Grant's tomb? Uh, who's Grant? No, just kidding. But it is, and again, keeping with the Spanish, it's a little bit more difficult. Define the words ser, S-E-R, ser, and estar, E-S-T-A-R. I want to know their meanings and what makes them different. Okay. And where would they send that answer to? How how do they enter? Peter at nextstepshow.com. Okay. Peter at nextstepshow.com. Is is steps plural? Is it S-T-E-P-S? Yes. Next steps plural show. Next steps show. So there's two S's in there. Two S's. Absolutely. N-E-X-T-S. And then another S. Yes. S-H-O-W. Got it. Okay, folks. Give them the uh, words again, Pete. Ser and estar. The differences. The differences are their meanings and what makes them different. And I'll explain next show why that's relevant. But we have a great guest this week. Really? I do. I happen to know this person for a little while. She's a candidate for the family court. She's a mom. She's a grandma. Just an overall great person who decided that she wants to kind of like set aside everything she's been doing in order to to do to to serve our community. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Christine Dima Vasquez, who is a candidate for the family court and my beautiful bride. Hi, honey. Hi. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, you I'm excited to be here. A little bit about yourself? Sure. So I was born and raised in Henrietta. I uh, went to Rush Henrietta High School. I did a program there. I did a half-day program through the BOCES uh, program, and it was uh, criminal justice. And so that kind of led me to where I am today, which is why I bring that up. Um, I had my first instructor there was an attorney, and it really just spoke to me even at a young age that I knew that this is what I wanted to 
do. So I've been an attorney for more than 18 years. I've been in private practice for about 17 years. I have uh, an office in Henrietta. And I focus primarily on divorce and family law. I do some uh, lower-level criminal stuff, but mostly divorce and family law. I was a, a teen mom. I have five kids between Peter and I. We have five kids between 19 and 29 and a uh, grandson who lives here in uh, Rochester, who is my favorite little human. Uh, and, yeah, that's a little bit about about me. Very, You know, one time, we're a blended family, and when the kids were growing up, one time we were, uh, this is like probably the first year, remember? We were backing out of the drive. The kids were just, they were just, just it was it must have been a full moon or going to be, because they were just out of fighting, screaming. It just wouldn't stop. And I'm backing out of the driveway, and fight. I stopped the car. I pulled back. This is probably 6 in the afternoon. Pulled back in the driveway. We sent them out of the bed. And we sat on the couch and we looked at each other and we're like, wow, we got a huge family. <laughs> we went from being these single parents to now being a parent of five kids and three mother-in-laws. So it, it, was, yeah. it was an interesting day. That's when it, that's when, but you know what? We wouldn't change it for anything. And you know, actually you said something that always uh, impressed me personally. I impressed Just a, you? Yeah, your guys' family um, and how important family really is to you guys is... Um, the three mother-in-laws, right? And, and and he literally means that, guys, that you had three mother-in-laws all living with you. Yep, my mother. <laughs> they were, they were living with you? Yeah, yes. they lived with them. because. Oh, of, my gosh. Yeah. My mom has always lived with us. when we. She had a house in Henrietta, and when I came back from law school, we decided that we – I'm an only child – that we would Not buy the house – you probably can tell that we would buy the house that we're currently living in. And probably about 10 years ago or so, when my dad died, my stepmom was not doing well. She was in Florida. And so we decided as a family that we would bring her up for what we thought would be a temporary arrangement. And uh, she stayed with us until she passed away earlier this year. And uh, Peter's mom also was with us for five or six years. And so we had the three mothers in the house all at the same time and the five kids, which a lot of chaos. Now that they're older, I, I kind of miss that chaos, but it was a lot of fun, and we had a lot of really good times. Do you have any mothers-in-law with you now? No. So oh, my mother, mother, yeah, my mother lives with us now. She's still living. She's yeah. still, yes. Yep. And she's so, doing well, too. So, yeah, she's so doing a whole apple and tree you know, I put a, well, in this case, the, the apple's holding the tree now. You know, she, Chris grew her own branches and keeps mine with it. But you know what, though? But that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's, we, that's a, like I said, the thing that always, like, really impressed me about your family in general was, you know, again, that the way that it's like my family is the most important thing and how, you know, Chris, you mentioned it, you know, chaos, all of the things, right? You guys can imagine, right? Five kids, three mother-in-laws, like how do you eat? And you own your own business. I'm in a huge house. No, it's Definitely not. Definitely not well, big enough. It was before everybody moved in. <laughs> <laughs> you can never have a house big enough for three mothers and me. 
Uh, and five yes. kids. And, and five, five kids. kids. Yeah. I mean, so we taught family to our kids since they were, I mean, there's just to us, there's nothing more important. We're strong right. believers in God, country, family. You know, I served in the military um, because of that, because those are the kind of things that I wanted to make sure we had. And in the black and brown community, that is like, it's foundational as family. You, you, you go to Puerto Rico, you'll see several generations living in the same house. Actually, we used to joke around here back when I was growing up because sometimes you'd see several generations coming out of a Toyota at the grocery <laughs> store. So that was, you know, Aisha, this well, is our eighth show. Uh, oh, what? You know, and it, well, I just, yeah, let me, uh, it used to be that way even in the black community as well, yeah. right? But one of the things that, I personally am very worried about and, and, and some of the brokenness that we're seeing is that once this generation of grandparents in the black community dies off, I'm not sure how well we're going to be because it used to be just like that, right? That you lived with your family, that right. if something was going on, if you're, you know, the kid gets pregnant, grandma was always raising the kid, all of these things. And we are seeing such a brokenness and dysfunction where, you know, uh, 13, 14 year olds not only getting pregnant, but then moving out and being like, hey, I want nothing, right? The, the complete disrespect and lack of regard that people are having with family and stuff is is very concerning. And I think that we as a society, as as a whole, really need to start taking a look at what is going on. I mean, I, obviously I'm very opinionated and I can tell you what I think, but um, the breakdown of the family where you don't have these generations um, living together, where you're saying, hey, let me send my um, older folks instead of taking care of them. We can just stick them in a home. All of these things are really going to come home to roost uh, very quickly. Um, and, and So much wisdom to be shared from the older generation. Absolutely. I mean, like, Absolutely. oh, my gosh. I, I'm so mis- why don't we take advantage of that wisdom and, like, like, Tap it. I mean, we spend. We, 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 we live in a state or in a country, but we live in a state where they push things like euthanasia when you get oh older or, or whatever. But instead, like or we incarcerate our elderly in in in, in institutions. That, that's what my that's what my parents used to say. You know what? Uh, you know, some kind of tricky thing is going on in school or whatever. You know, you gotta ask grandma about that. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, that's I right. would love, and today I, we Google it instead. Right. 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 Yeah. The, the stories that my mother and my mother-in-laws would tell me about life. I mean, that's almost a, between the three of them. I mean, that was many, many years of experience. My mother would tell me stories that her mother told her about the Spanish-American War when they were in Puerto Rico. And and how yeah. at one point her village, you know, the Spaniards were going through her village. And her and her mother or her mother and her, the lineage, the, the great-grandmother it was, yes. had to hide. Uh, and I remember she told me that the story she heard was they almost got caught because the, the, her grandmother was uh kept coughing she was sick and they, they so they almost got found by the spaniards anyways oh yeah lots of history that we don't that we don't leverage yeah anyways we gotta guess let's let's uh i was gonna say we have eight shows we've had some great people on the shows and now we got a great candidate and a great person on this show we've had people like nick cersei not that I long know. ago isn't that great nick that was Cer- a fun show that was an awesome show uh, yeah. But you know the show with uh, with the urban conservatives, Raheem Abdul or Satya Miskad and his partner or and his uh, coworker uh, 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 James, uh, Ryan James Turner, all yeah. great people, right? Who else did we have on? Dumasani, Dumasani, that was a great conversation as well. And in, in the beginning with Octavio, uh, Octavio being our yeah. first show, yeah, crazy stuff, isn't it? Hey, well, I got to go back for it. Nick Searcy, 
the movie, Capital Punishment. Oh. Where can you get that thing? CapitalPunishmentLocal.com. Yeah, the, I'm sorry, say again. CapitalPunishment.local.com. .local.com. Okay, I'll just try that. Probably, yeah, the best place that, you know, he says to get it. Um, we, You can also get it if you have a Daily Wire, you can get it, but then you have to subscribe to subscribe all the Subscribe to Daily Wire. It, it, one of the tricky things about this, too, folks, if you're listening, this movie, Capital Punishment, Nick Searcy's film, is spelled with an O, C-A-P-I-T-O-L. There yes. is a there's a martial arts thing with uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, drawing a blank. Senior moment. Capital with an A. That is not the movie. That is not the that movie. Is that is correct. Yep. Nor is the movie January Six on Netflix the, <laughs> the correct movie. So. I think we are the uh, the only minority conservative radio show host in the area. Not like podcast show host, but like a real radio conservative show host. Bob, do you know of any other ones? I, I, I loved high and low, and, and I, it's I, just us. We're the first. We're the first and the only. And the and only. And not only are we minorities... Well, actually, Which I I'm not. hate that word. I know. Word. I was going to say I'm actually not a minority because I'm a Christian and we're still the majority. And my culture and identity lies in Christ and Christ alone. But with that said, I happen to, you know, be of the highly melanated um, persuasion. And I'm a woman. And you are Spanish. I am. So if you want to advertise, ladies and gentlemen, then the next step show, you will be advertising to 1.6 million people on the only minority hosted conservative talk show host in the area. Crazy, isn't it? On WYSL, the voice of liberty. 1040 AM. We'll be right back. Here's a special message for veterans and surviving spouses from Alpine Manor. You may qualify for a special benefit from the VA. After applying for funds received for aid and attendance, your stay at Alpine Manor could be as low as $600 per month. Be sure to call for details. At Alpine Manor, their pride is personalized care for seniors who are not yet ready for a nursing home. There are supervised activities and medications, full laundry and housekeeping services, three dietary-approved home-cooked meals, and a bedtime snack, all provided in immaculate surroundings. Be sure to call for details on this new program for the veteran in your family. Keep the golden years carefree years at Alpine Manor, nestled in the picturesque rolling hills east of 390 in Livingston County, just 20 minutes from Rochester. New York State Health Department license. Call 346-5880. That's 346-5880 for a no-obligation tour or information. Or visit alpinemanor.com. Next to life. Life itself, time is God's greatest gift. Every minute of your child's precious school years should be spent in devotion to truth, not some agenda. An Archangel School K-12 classic Catholic-based education fosters achievement, not conformity. Affordable, safe, small class sizes, and zero time wasted on CRT or Common Core. Your family values are honored, and parental involvement is warmly welcomed. Archangel School kids learn to soar, not march. 247-1112. 
Hi, this is attorney Christine Demo Vasquez. For more than 18 years, I've provided quality legal services tailored to the unique needs of each of my clients. I take the time to educate my clients about the law, explain the legal process, listen carefully, answer questions, and keep my clients informed throughout the process. An attorney who understands the complexities of the family court system, call attorney Christine Demo Vasquez at 585-427-0675. 585-427-0675. Peter Vasquez and Aisha Kreutz, the next step show on the WYSL stations. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. It's tricky. Here we go. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. It's tricky. Tricky. We got to get a camera so we can see her. I know. Busting a rhyme here. She'll be streaming this. It's tricky. It's kind of like talking about the family court or talking with judges on the radio. It's tricky. There's 79 pages that say you can't say this, you can't say that, and you could only say this under this circumstances. And you know, this is what gets me. Those rules spell out the words. Cover your ears for a second, Chris. Right to life. Like, we cannot, she cannot even talk about anything that says things like that. Isn't that nuts? That that's that's nuts. how that's how restrictive. Now, there are well, some I positive, because I don't want to judge, you know. Is that, is that, that's not the case for all judges, though. All judges. That's so the judicial can, campaign ethics, or the judicial ethics Supreme campaign. Court? Every, every, every the campaign. Code of Judicial Conduct, yeah, right? And it's in the Code of, well, it references the as Code of Judicial judge, Conduct. As a judge, we... <laughs> We are representing everybody. We're making decisions based on the life of everybody. And so you don't want a judge who has preconceived notions or who already is making decisions about how they're going to guide a case or make a decision on a case. And so that makes sense. You, and, and, and you want a that's... fair and impartial judge. You want somebody who's going to listen and who's going to make decisions based on the facts and circumstances of each case that comes before them. And that's the way it should be. By the way, folks, that's the voice of uh, Christine Demo, right? Demo. Vasquez, who's running for family court judge. And she's in the studio, and uh, she is uh, married to Peter here, and we just wanted to introduce her. So, you know, last week we talked a little bit about uh, liberty and freedom. Yes. We're going to talk more about it on the next show. But the one thing I want to show, and I believe the family court is a litmus test for that uh, uh, liberty and freedom. And after today's show, next week, we'll talk about how that is. Okay. Because when we talk about some of the things that, that um, in our listeners, you know, that one of the things that when we talk about the types of cases that, that are in front of the family court. Right. That's where you start looking at, well, wait a minute. What is liberty and what is freedom based on what a parent decides to do with their child? It, it's it's very weird. Very true. That's so, very true, too. So, Christine, tell us. I mean, we... we, we just tell us. We know you're my wife. We have five kids, right? Born and raised in Henrietta. What else? Yeah, so I, as I mentioned before, I was a teen mom. Um, I worked my way through college. I started at uh, Monroe Community College and then uh, went on to SUNY Brockport and got my bachelor's degree. 
From there, I went to New England School of Law in Boston. So at that point, my son was five. And so we packed up and moved to Boston, just him and I. And I went to school and worked, and he started kindergarten, and it was a little crazy. But looking back, it was the best decision that I could have made for myself and for my family. And so he always, still to this day, talks about all of the road trips, road with trips the, with the that books. I would make him listen to the uh, you know different. Uh, programs that I was working on and says, you know, that was just, you know, I would say he would complain about it, but probably not complaining. But uh, it's how old just, were you when you had your first one? My fr- first I was um, 19. I was pregnant at 18. So does uh, Brandon have like a law mind? Well, <laughs> having to listen to, to all of those, you know what I mean? Like, how how did that uh, uh, affect him? Like, yeah, none of he, my kids have wanted to go into the law, and him in particular. Well, I just all of them. None of them have wanted to go into the law. You know, I don't know if part of it, obviously, you know, that was a really difficult time, and I had to work my way through college. So I've always worked on top of going to school. I did a part time program through law school, so it was a four year program. And, you know, we career has always been important to me. Obviously, my family is more important, but I think they've seen that it's not an easy easy. feat. It's not something that you can just kind of breeze by. It's something that we've worked, you know, I, I worked really hard to do. And so I don't know. You know why, but none of them at this point have expressed any interest in well, in doing that. Being a lawyer too, though, it like um, does take. I mean, you have to actually want to do it because the type of you know work that you have to put through, put forth, and you know it's kind of like being a doctor, right? I mean, like you're not going to just be like, oh yeah, let me breeze through this. You know, there has to be some sort of passion for. Right for it would you say absolutely and i think especially dealing in family court and divorce cases i mean they're very emotionally driven it's uh you know not an easy situation that people are going through and so i understand the difficulties that people face in going through this process and that's something that's always on my mind you know being a business owner and dealing with this type of work i'm thinking about my cases 24/7 it's not you know i leave my office and don't think about you know the case is done i'm thinking about my cases how i can uh, you know do things differently or what arguments i need to make and so it's just for me it's really a lifestyle this is something that i do and something that is very important to me and important work so as I was preparing for this show, I found um, a mission statement, I guess, for the family court. It says, to protect the rights of the families and children by ensuring uh, the just and timely resolution of all matters brought before the court. Is that how you perceive? I mean, is that what they do? Yes. Yeah, so I think that absolutely. I mean, that's what's most important. I think that anything, anytime a judge is going to make a decision about somebody's life, the most important person in their life, that is most important in what they are doing on a day-to-day basis. So, so judges, I mean, you're up there. You're going to make a decision on, on, uh, on individuals that are um, 
you're gonna make this I'm sorry I'm missing everybody's laughing here and I'm wondering if I missed something no it must be the bug I have in my nose huh no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyways, no. But you know, these judges—they make great—they make decisions that impact the lives forever. I mean, they literally change. Um, so, so how do you, or how would a judge balance the rights of a parent based on the needs of whatever the circumstances that you know they went to court for? How do you balance that? How do you, how do you say, okay, let's figure this out? I mean, I know that it isn't specific to any cases or you can't do that, um, but is there like a general and an, or just literally think, case by case? So I've handled thousands of uh, cases. I've represented thousands of mothers, fathers, grandparents, custodians, and children. So I understand the difficulties that people face in going through the family court process. And so some things that I think are really important for a judge to consider is obviously the impact that it's going to have on the children, but understanding the case that's before them. You know, we never want to be in a position where we're making decisions before hearing all of the facts and circumstances. So listening to cases, listen, you know, being prepared and going, uh, you know, having a case coming before you, understanding that this case is different from the other thousands of cases that have come before them. And there's different facts and circumstances in every case. And I think we need to look at as as a judge, one thing that would be important to me is to look at the facts and circumstances of that case to listen, to have the ability to hear all sides of the story. And having done what I've done for a really long time, I can see the importance of doing that in something that I will carry on with me as a judge. So um, I, I don't know if I can ask this or not, because, again, I know the judicial rules. But, I mean, is, is, is that something that I hear a lot? So I come from it from a kind of different viewpoint, right? Seeing a lot of people working with people who have gone through the family court and how broken it is and kind of, you know, people will talk about how unfair it is. Do you see that, you know, what you had just described, right? Like people not looking at it, that this case is different from the last case, right? Do you see that that's something that's broken in the family court? System like why like kind of I guess that you know like why do you want to be a judge like what do you see that you think you can make the difference in what I would say many people say is a broken family court system? So I want to be a family court judge because I think that the family court judge is the one who has the ability to impact the lives has the ability to make the decisions that are going to impact that family for the rest of their life. And so, as I said before, in representing everybody that would come before the family court in some capacity, I think it's so important that as a judge, we hear those things and we understand we have the ability to understand what they're going through and how this case is going to impact their life. And so for me, it's about what can I do to make those changes to have that positive impact? Because as a judge, you can have you're, you're making these decisions and whether that's positive or whether that's negative, uh, you know, it, it comes down to what are you doing to try to make that a positive outcome for people? And, you know, I've heard you know, even as people that I've represented, you know, people think that it's not fair. And, it, and you know, part of that is 
facts and circumstances can be very specific. And there's things that happen in a case that we may or may not be able to control or thing that's ha- things that's happened before the person has come to me. And so, you know, there are situations that are unfair. There are situations Absolutely. that, you know, that have an outcome that are not ideal. But we can always look at how are we going to make that better going forward. Absolutely. So so earlier I said, you know, the litmus test that I do believe family court is the best test to really define where that, that, well, it defines, in my opinion, whether liberty and freedom are mutually inclusive or exclusive. That's what we're going to talk about next week. And I think the family court kind of shows that a little bit. Okay. It'll be an interesting discussion. Chris, who do we see in the courtrooms? I mean, you, I, I know, I mean, and I know these answers, obviously, because I've seen you for the last, what, 18, 19 years, uh, and I've seen you in action, and I have been through the family court, um, and I have seen, well, let's just say that I remember at least in one situation where, like, hey, you know, this uh, family member of my kid has a, uh, uh, a documented uh, child abuse case against them. I mean, she can't even be a maitre d' in a, in a, in a school bus. But the judge pretty much just ignored it and said, well, if we can't have it by this day, and I remember my attorney argued, and, and it wasn't Chris, but my attorney argued um, with this judge saying, listen, we, we got to show this. We need more time, uh, and it takes time to get these records. And the judge just, just nope, didn't care. Twelve thirty or uh, at The 31st of that month is all we had. And, and, and at the end of the day, my kids ended up having to go with, this, uh, with their grandmother is what it was. Um, and I remember the first weekend they came back, oh, they were – it was it was it was just horrible. So having good judges is definitely so you've done just about every job in the courtroom. Yeah, I've handled every type of case that would come before me as a judge. So the family court, in my opinion, is the most important court, again, because we're dealing with children and families on a daily basis. But the family court handles everything from custody, visitation, child support, paternity abuse and neglect cases, juvenile delinquency cases. And so it's important issues that are, again, I keep going back to issues that affect person, a person's life for potentially forever. And, and, you've, also, and you've also had this, this background, we touched on it earlier in the program, where you've had this big family with all these dynamics going on with uh, three mothers-in-law, five kids, uh, mixed uh, family, and uh, the biggest kid of all, Peter. Uh, yes. so, so this, I mean, family is like a part of, that's woven into your being. Absolutely. And family is very important to me, and I understand that, again, on so many different levels. And I think that's what makes me a unique candidate, is that I can understand from many different facets. I was also a single mom for many years. I you know, have been divorced uh, from my children's father, who is now deceased. And so I you know, cert- definitely have uh, that understanding from many different perspectives. A stepmom. You know, with stepmom issues, uh, uh, everything she's done, and she's done it. Chris, for our listeners, what is a court magistrate in comparison to a judge? So, a judge is uh, elected by the people. Uh, occasionally, judges are appointed by the governor, but typically, judges are elected by the people, whereas the magistrates or the referees are appointed. Appointed by who? 
Uh, they're appointed by the court administration the court or something. Administration. Like that? Wonderful. Gotcha. Right. So, so there's a lot of different cases that you that you would see in the family court, correct? Absolutely. So, so, so cases like child protective proceedings, maybe. Yeah, so that would fall under abuse and neglect cases where child protective services is involved. Wonderful. And what what other kind of cases do we see in there? I mean, is there like only family court? And again, I I know I've been married to Christine for 18 years and I do not know really much about the family court except for my own experiences in there. So yeah. so so what other kind of cases? I know you talked about a few, but what other kind of cases in yeah, there? So another type of case would be adoptions. Um, which is my favorite type of case because it's typically always a happy ending. I really enjoy uh, handling adoption cases. Um, but, yeah, that's for the most part. I think I you know, named those off, but I, I think I missed out the or missed the abuse and neglect cases, which is you know significant because that just has a whole different level of uh, impact on children and families. And especially – Especially with, you know, COVID, I think there, you know, has been a bit of an uptick in those types mm-hmm. of cases. And so, you know, there just there's many challenges associated with that. How did the I mean, how did it go for lawyers during COVID? You brought it up. Um, I mean, like, how difficult is that to meet with clients? And ju- I mean, like, how how did that affect the court and how did that affect how you were able to, you know, do your job as a, a, a as a lawyer uh, in general. Like, so I think that there were certainly issues with, you know, meeting with clients. We did a lot of Zoom calls at that point. You know, I think it's really important to be face to face with people as opposed to telephone calls, and so I did a lot of that. Uh, the, was there? Was there? I mean, like, is was there much of a difference, or do you see like the feel? of those meetings difference between Zoom and when you are physically face-to-face? Yeah, I think there's always a level of comfort when you're face-to-face with someone. I think, you know, that's always going to be ideal. Um, But during that time, obviously, there were some challenges with that. The court initially was uh, virtual, and so they had mostly, they, they use Microsoft Teams, so mostly you're able to see the parties but it's still difficult because you're not there with your client. You can't necessarily talk to them, you know, although the judges would allow us an opportunity to call our clients if we needed to do that. But the courts, you know, have been virtual for a while. Everything is transitioning back. A lot of the judges have now transitioned back to in-person. I think that there has been some level of convenience by doing the virtual appearances. You know, we're not going back and forth to the courthouse. I think things tend to run a little bit more on time with the virtual because they set them up, I think, mostly in 15-minute increments. So cases were mostly on time. When things are in person, that's not always the case for many different reasons. But So I think that that has been helpful in that respect. But now that we're transitioning back, uh, you know, it definitely allows uh, for that more client communication and for everyone to understand the seriousness of the court. I think when you're sitting behind a screen, it's right. a little easier to, you know, not really understand the importance of the court or the decorum in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. And people kind of, you know, were a little laxed on that. And so I think transitioning back has helped to bring some of that back. Were there any judges that like, I mean, because again, I don't, I don't know what was 
allowed or not allowed? Like, were there any judges that like didn't go virtual and said, no, I'm going to still meet in person? Or did they no, not have I, that option? I think that I, I think for a period of time, everybody was virtual. But I think that there were some types of cases where people could appear or where they had to have in-person cases. Um, but again, now everything is really transitioned back. Yeah, and and for, you know, to be clear, and I think our listeners would agree. COVID didn't cause some of the issues that they're seeing in the family court. It's the policies that some of these politicians put in place that caused the issues that I'm now seeing in school and family court. Just to clarify that. Yes. Well, that's why I wasn't sure, like, if it was a legal thing, like, where that was the rules put in place or if they were able to choose and and how that kind of... Well, the rules have changed, obviously, over the course of the last two years. Absolutely. And so the courts still have some discretion. And there still are some judges who will do conferences virtually and trials. I think it's really helpful to have trials in person. Because, yes. again, you want to see the witnesses. You want to you know, be able to see their demeanor. And, you know, being virtual, there's always some level of, of issue you know, with somebody getting on, having their, you know, being able to be present uh, visually and understanding the witnesses and all those I mean, kinds of things. The, 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 poor and like connectivity, you know, well, like I think if, that that's that, that's another issue, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's an I, issue I, someday I'd like to talk that. about because yeah, I'm still yet that. to find somebody, even in the poorest of poorest neighborhoods, that doesn't have access to the oh, internet somehow. So, but I, but yeah, but the ones that I have, okay, I've yeah. met, but they yeah. speak by choice. They yeah. chose to have this no. instead of this. Now, I'm sure there are people, maybe yeah. I don't know, I but I don't want to talk that. about. I think that, that. I there work is with a lot, lot of, of those people. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of poverty in the mm-hmm. city. There's a lot of poverty around Monroe County, and there's people yeah. who don't have internet. And I think mm-hmm. we need to be very conscientious of the fact that there's people who don't. And so we need to make accommodations. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that everybody has fair access to the family court. And in doing that, sometimes that means we need to be in person. We need to make those accommodations. Yeah, and, 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 and I should in the future. So we should explore if it's something that taxpayers should pay for or not. Oh, well, you know, and I'm kind of torn on that one. We can't. Yeah, we, we could do that one. I have a couple people actually we could bring on, but I, I'm, a, I'm a little torn on that one just because, like, if this was 15 years ago, I would say absolutely not. But we have moved so far. I mean, again, look at some of these old folks, right, and um, senior citizens who are – they're trying to make them get uh, like for you to get your social security check. Th- it has to be online. Right. I mean, how that is horrible. It is. They, you know, and I think that we shouldn't be trying to force those type of things again, whether it's in the court, um, because and then if you do, then yeah, you do have to pay for it. You know, you have to make sure that everybody that there is some sort of uh, timely resolution to these things in court or anything else. But anyway, where are we at? We are on the next step show with Peter Vasquez, my good friend, and Aisha Kreitz. And our guest, Christine Dima Vasquez. WYSL, the voice of liberty. Rock on.
Harley-Davidson, and Rock-On Power Sports, West Henrietta Road. Shop the greatest selection of legendary Harleys and save big on a wide array of used bikes. And Rock-On Power Sports has rides from Honda, Kawasaki, and Yamaha. Rock-On has a helpful staff to save you big money. The Rock-On Service Department has expert technicians and a great supply of parts to get and keep you on two wheels. WYSL listeners get $500 off used motorcycles while supplies last. Rock-On has side-by-sides, ATVs, and jet boats, too. Anything that's fun and goes fast. On and off-road and on the water, shop the all-new Rock-On first. Rock-On Harley-Davidson and Rock-On Motorsports, 2600 West Henrietta Road. Open Tuesday through Saturday. Call 424-2120. Visit rockonharleydavidson.com. Hi, this is attorney Christine Demo-Vasquez. For more than 18 years, I've provided quality legal services tailored to the unique needs of each of my clients. I take the time to educate my clients about the law, explain the legal process, listen carefully, answer questions, and keep my clients informed throughout the process. An attorney who understands the complexities of the family court system, call attorney Christine Demo-Vasquez at 585-427-0675. 585-427-0675. If you are dealing with chronic pain, Dr. Sharak Patel is now available in the Southern Tier. Serving Noyes, Jones, and St. James Hospitals, Dr. Patel is an experienced pain management specialist. He offers steroid injections and many other procedures and has a special interest in the lumbar and cervical spine. Don't let chronic pain impact your quality of life. Ask your doctor for a referral or call 585-243-0150. Next Steps with Peter Vasquez and Aisha Kreutz on the WYSL stations. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Next Step Show with Peter and, and uh, Aisha and our guest, Christine. I'm so used to saying Peter and Christine. Um, Christine who? <laughs> who is Christine. Christine Demo Vasquez. I'm running for family court judge. How does somebody get a hold of you? So you can email me at Christine for familycourt.com. You can call me at 585-880-7579. And I reach out anytime. I'm happy to talk to anyone. This is an issue that I'm very passionate about and I would love to share with you. Why I want to be your next family court judge. Oh, I was just going to ask that. Like, not only why, but why should people vote for you? People should vote for me because I have a passion and a heart for helping children and families through difficult situations. I'm doing this because I want to make a difference. I want to help people. And I believe with my experience and with my, not just my professional experience, but with my personal experience, I believe that I can make a difference in the lives of everyone who comes before me as a judge. And what if somebody's listening to you right now and wants to donate to your campaign, which, how would they do that? Well, as a judicial candidate, we are not involved at all in the financial aspects and of the campaign. So we have a treasurer. There's you know oh. links on our website, but I am not involved at all in that. Again, you don't want a judge who is 
aware of who's donating, who's not donating. And That's that not critical. something that we look at. It's not something that I have any awareness of, and I will not throughout this Wonderful. campaign. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the campaign manager for Christine as well, and I, I strongly suggest that you go to the website at christineforfamilycourt.com, click the donate button, and ladies and gentlemen, her max is about 24000 And look, the families and children of Monroe County and Christine are counting on you. Ladies and gentlemen, let's come together and support these wonderful candidates. Christine, I'm going to ask you four questions, 10 seconds to answer. You ready? I'm ready. These are definition. I want everybody to see exactly how smart and experienced you are, yeah? <laughs> All right. Sure. First one is, again, these are definitions. What is a German? An adjournment is when you're asking the court to extend out the case for various reasons. Okay. What about conflict of interest? Conflict of interest is when an attorney has, and sometimes a judge, has a conflict in uh, the, the parties that they're representing or that we've represented someone else and we can't represent uh, a particular person. Very important because that's foundational to ethics as a Absolutely. judge. Assigned counsel lawyers. So the assigned counsel is a program that you can qualify for. If you can't afford to pay for an attorney, you can ask that an attorney is assigned uh, to you. And I also am on the panel that assigns attorneys uh, to assigns uh, clients to attorneys who handle the case. And the last one is, what does it mean when someone is served? So, when so, so any type of case where you're dealing with the family court or whether you're dealing with a divorce, someone has to be served with the le- legal documents that you filed. So whether it's a summons, whether it's a petition, someone is served with those documents personally unless the court authorizes them to be served in some other manner. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our guest, Christine Dimovesquez for, the, for uh, Monroe County Family Court. Christine, uh, or it's uh, christineforfamilycourt.com. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Aisha and I are truly humbled. I'll see you at home later. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I think me. now it's time for... Now, Free Soup with Aisha Kreutz. The extraordinary Aisha Kreutz. Good for your soul, good for liberty. Well, I just have to say, this week has been a hard one. Having to battle for my children and our relationship um the enemy has been trying to steal my family since as long as i can remember i've been pregnant six times three abortions three living children and of the three of my living children i was abortion minded with two of those satan the father of lies is always about trying to destroy and rip apart family the struggle is real people but i want to encourage each and every one of you today out there to say sorry even if you think you have nothing to be sorry for to forgive even if you think you feel that you have nothing to be forgiven for and to pick up the word of god repent hide yourself in it until you are renewed refreshed with his grace mercy and love for you your spouse and your family john fifteen four says this stay united with me as i will with you for just as the branch cannot put forth good fruit itself apart from the vine so you can't bear fruit apart from me ladies and gentlemen that is the next step show if you want to advertise call the station 346-3000 or email me at peter at nextstepsshow.com ladies and gentlemen leave us a comment as well and remember we are 
the first and only minority, yeah, Aisha, minority conservative talk show host in the area. Advertise with us. Thank you, Bob. Don't forget our podcast. WISL1040.com, available on every platform now, folks. Spotify, Amazon Music, and yes, iHeart. See you next time.